Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmill, a private detective and rogue devil hunter dedicated to wiping out evil demons. With me today is my good friend and the stylish of legendary devil hunters. He is a coach for Vanguard Tactics and still the handsomest man in 40K himself. He is the Dante to my Virgil, Mr. Jake Harding. Jake, buddy, how's it going? Dave, I'm really good, thank you. Another fantastic reference as always. I think this is always what, what we talk about sometimes is the um, my favourite part of the podcast is always the intro with it. And I always imagine the little music in my in my ears when, when you're saying it and... Um, because due to contrary belief, it's not actually there when we're when we're saying it. It all happens post. But well, yeah, I'm doing super well, and I'm really, really excited to talk about um, a newfound love of mine in this edition, being the Chaos Demons. Awesome. Uh, so with that, uh, we are going to be talking about Chaos Demons, but as usual, we got to take a quick stop before we get too involved uh, to acknowledge our first sponsor of the day, the Outpost. The Competitive 40K Podcast is proudly supported by the Outpost your friendly local gaming store with the most helpful and friendliest of staff. After visiting the Outpost, I was taken aback by the whole host of products available in store and online. With awesome discounts, gaming tables, and a huge range of terrain for different game systems, the Outpost is certainly a great place to hang out and hobby. Check out www.the-outpost.co.uk or go and visit them in store. All right, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Please do not forget to like, share, subscribe, leave us a five-star review if you would be so kind. Help us out on those aggregators uh, and search engine optimization things. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Jake's on there at, at VT underscore Jake. I'm on there at, at Infantry Lawyer. Or sorry, Infantry Lawyer 40K. Got to remember that one because the, the old account got hacked. So don't, don't go to yeah. <laughs> they do They do that one. <laughs> don't, don't do that one. Uh, okay, so with that... Uh, let's get into talking about some some chaos demons. Uh, Jake, what is the expectation that people should have? Because um, this is one that hasn't seen a lot of or, or hasn't had much talking, and I don't think it's seen much advertising. Hasn't been getting a lot of podcast love and and uh, stream love from most people in tenth edition. So what what is the expectation people should have for chaos demons? So Chaos Demons are quite a unique faction, right? They're more of a, um, what I like to adorn as like an Age of Sigmar Warhammer Fantasy army, um, just due to the fact of um, you can use them in both games. So a lot of their models are very more melee oriented, um, and in the shooting they do have a more like sort of a psychic sort of embodiment, right? Um, normally the play style of Demons can go one of two ways, which is really cool. So you can either have like what we'll deem as a monster mash, so a form of all the big greater demons. Um, so you can have lots of those uh, sort of, you know, all sort of working in tandem together to be really heavy hitters. And then you can have a few units to play the mission. Or you could go the other side of it, which I think is less optimal, but still a completely valid way of playing, which is a more like um, unit-based build. So having maybe one or two greater demons, but then... Um, you know, more like your sort of skirmishing infantry, like your flamers, your blood crushers, um, led up with all sorts of characters and lone operatives and everything. So, yeah, I think de- demons are a very mixed bag. Um, and, I, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm really excited to be able to sort of delve into them. Um, it, it just as a, a quick tip, it, um, demons back in 8th edition was actually my main army. Um, and I sort of shelved them for a whole edition in 9th edition. Um, you know, even when they got their codex and they were very strong, if you were familiar with that, if you did play Ninth Edition. Um, but now with 10th Edition and everything being new and exciting again, I've decided to sort of step back in and give them a go. And so far, I'm loving it. 
Okay. All right. Yeah, they were they were definitely a uh, a bane, especially to anybody that had shooting in ninth edition because of their non modifiable. You can't ignore it. You can't get around it. Demon saves. So, uh, but we'll talk about how things have changed in just a minute. For now, let's. Uh, what's the army rule? What's the overall uh, rule that everybody's looking at here? So, so the army rules sort of split into two parts. So we'll go over the main part, which is the interactive side of it, which is what you're actually going to be using in the game. And that's called the Shadow of Chaos. Um, I like to think about this like, if you've you ever watched Stranger Things, I've just started, I just like got into Stranger Things over the last few months. And it reminds me of like the other world. So like the really, we believe, weird world there is in Stranger Things. And then you have like the normal sort of world. So yeah, the this upside is, down. Oh my god, I love that show. Yeah, I I, I got into it um, a few months ago. And now I've I've just started watching. There's a whole other. We could do a whole podcast on Stranger Things because I really enjoy yes. it. Um, but the the main another part episode, of this, another episode. <laughs> yeah, we have to. We, this could be a bonus episode if people want it, right? Um, so basically, this this rule is split into three parts. So this the the Shadow of Chaos isn't like anything other than an area of the battlefield. So how you denote what is Shadow of Chaos is um, your deployment zone is always Shadow of Chaos. Okay, no matter what happens, it's always Shadow of Chaos. Um, then, at the start of any phase, if you control at least half of the objective markers within No Man's Land until the end of that phase, that area of the battlefield is also Shadow of Chaos, um, so which is very good. Um, and we'll, as we'll go on, we'll talk about interactions that happens with that. And then finally, at the start of any phase, if you control at least half the objective markers within your opponent's deployment zone until the end of that phase, your opponent's deployment zone is also in the shadow of chaos. So again, there's a lot of things to do with this shadow of chaos. It's been, you know, there's, it can on the surface look quite hard to get. Um, but as obviously we go through, you'll notice that actually there's one specific way of having it all the time, which is very good. Um, then that then, so now we know what shadow of chaos is and now we know where it is and where we can find it. There's two other parts it also splits into. Um, so the first is called demonic manifestation. So while a friendly, we're just going to say demon unit because there's a very long word that I can't pronounce and I think I'll be a bit of a fool if I try and <laughs> try and do it. Um, so while you're in Shadow of Chaos, if one of your demon units is forced to take a battle shock check, you get plus one to the roll. In addition, if you pass that battle shock check, you recover D3 lost wounds or if you're a battle line unit, you return D3 destroyed models to the unit, um, which is very powerful. Um, and then the other side of it is Demonic Terror, which is while an enemy unit is within your Shadow of Chaos, each time they fail a battle shock check, or each time they take a battle shock check, they're minus one to do so. In addition, if they fail that check, they suffer D3 mortal wounds. So already we've noticed a very sort of small part of the Shadow of Chaos, which is the battle shock manipulation. Overall, it's quite a good rule when we look into stratagems and all the other sort of things that comes with Shadow of Chaos. Um, but if you just look at it like this, it's quite, you, you sort of think, oh, it's a bit, you know, it's just like I've got to hold areas and be Shadow of Chaos just for a battle shock. You know, that's, it's not that great. Um, but as, as we said, as we go into it, you'll notice there's more and more with it, right? Yeah. All right. So I, I, I'm actually more interested about the uh, restoring lost wounds necessarily than battle shock. But yeah. <laughs> the fact that if you fail the battle shock test, you take D3 mortal wounds is also kind of a nice touch too. So, um, yeah, I, I can see where it's not going to be super game. It's not going to swing the game for you in a major way, one way or the other. Maybe in late game it starts chipping away or something, but it's certainly sort of a nice little buff or bonus that you could have. Yeah, it, it's really it's 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 actually quite helpful on your big monsters because the moment they start being under half wounds, they'll take that battle shock check. 
normally gonna, if you're there if they're then in a shadow of chaos they'll pass it on roughly about a five plus and then to regain d3 lost wounds it just means you can keep them a bit healthier for a bit longer which is great um but as i said like overall it's it's a rule that is it's one of those rules i find that it's nice if it comes up but you're not relying on that exact sort of battle shock mechanic yeah you're more looking at what else it gives you um but the army rule does have a second part which is um called demonic pact so this is if every model in your army is chaos keyword you can ally demons into your army so depending on how many points you're playing or the size of battle you're mustering depends on how many demons you can have in your army list so if you're playing an incursion game so a thousand up to a thousand points you can put 250 points worth of demons in your army if you're playing a strike force game or 2000 points your normal sort of standard competitive match play um you're looking at about 500 points worth of demons you can put in and if you're playing the onslaught which is the sort of 3000 points uh you can have up to 750 points in there um few things to note they can't be your warlord um and they can't have enhancements and then there's few like additional tibbets which are a bit more sort of thematic so um if you're weld eaters you can only take corn demon allies if you're thousand sons you can only take zinch demon allies if you're death guard you can only take nurgle demon allies and then finally if your warlord is lucius the eternal in a chaos space marine army um you can only include slanesh demons so um that sort of represents the emperor's children aspect of them um it's great great little rule to be able yeah. to ally some some good you know little skirmishy units into your army i think actually you you'll sort of notice with a lot of chaos lists they do have demon allies and and that's just because of this little you know tippet here so yeah flamers are still being allied in in some chaos marine lists i've seen although i don't think they're quite the uh the powerhouse that they were last edition they're still with overwatch they're still a pain in the they are i still think they're fantastic but literally yeah. you hit the nail on the head they're no they're no longer a massive menace they are a bit they're actually quite in my opinion they're quite balanced if you were to take overwatch out of the equation um yeah but yeah, I think um, overall, that's a, in my opinion, that's a great army rule to have. Um, and then the Shadow right. of Chaos stuff will become more clear as we go into more sort of detail with their detachment and other abilities. Yeah. And of course, uh, hopefully, as, as whoever was writing this, they went, huh, we still don't, we still don't technically have a, an Emperor's Children faction. Maybe we should do something about that someday. Huh. Yeah. I, it's, do you know what? Yeah, you think, you, I really like how, you know, that, that bit has been satisfied where they're like, look, we, we don't have an Emperor's Children aspect in this Chaos Marine army. So instead, what we'll do is we'll just say, if you're Lucius the Eternal, for all those people that want, you know, want to take Emperor's Children led by Lucius the Eternal, you can only take Slanish Demons, keeping the theme there, right? So I think it's yeah. great. Yeah. And we can all just hold out hope the 10th edition is finally the edition when uh, Fulgrim uh, comes back and gets a model. That would be uh, amazing. That would be amazing. All right. So... Um, before we start waffling on onto um, tangents like you and I always do, uh, let's talk about the detachment rules, which is called warp rifts. Yeah, so this is our first interaction of seeing something that works with the Shadow of Chaos, but isn't something to do with Battleshock. Um, so this is each time a demon unit from your army is set up on the battlefield using the Deep Strike ability. If it is set up wholly within your army's Shadow of Chaos, it can be set up anywhere that is more than six inches horizontally away from all enemy units instead of more than nine so um a bit of a throwback if you were used to ninth edition with their whole manipulating their deep strike range depending on certain certain aspects as a as a detachment rule i think it's really good um and again it doesn't look that massive but something you'll notice or i will just sort of say now if you're unfamiliar with any of the demon data sheets is they all can deep strike which is very cool so so the ability for them to know that if there's a shadow of chaos there they can come within six making either a charge easier or 
so then they can fit more models or you know just any sort of aspect like that is just super 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 helpful okay all right yeah i can definitely see where and it would you know that's got to be huge for for mission play for you know behind enemy lines or getting the you know dropping units into the corners where you know you're out of position or whatever so all right so that kind of covers the army rule and the detached rule i do think it's kind of interesting that the well, I guess it does because the the army rule interacts with the detached rule insofar as you need to be within the shadow of chaos to get that that extra deep strike. So, all right. Uh, so not a not these are not some of the army rules or detachment rules that are super killy like some other factions, Space Marines, <laughs> but um, but definitely has a lot of mission play and will definitely plays into the theme of the army f- for sure. So yeah, uh, but I guess we will have to dig into the data sheets and see exactly where else. And, and how we can apply this across the across the faction. So um, before we get into that, uh, we will start uh, stop real quick for our second sponsor of the day, Color Forge. The Competitive 40K podcast is supported by Color Forge. I found Color Forge 18 months ago and I was blown away by the quality of the product. I've always had an incredible finish, not too thick, not too chalky, and I've always had the perfect coverage in all kinds of weather conditions. The cans are around 25% larger and cheaper than most other brands on the market. All of the colors are matched to Citadel base colors, so it makes that transition from rattle can to paints absolutely seamless. Check out www.thecolorforge.com to pick up your sprays today, along with a whole host of other awesome hobby products. All right, and we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Please don't forget to uh, jump online and come join the conversation at the competitive Warhammer 40K community Facebook page. The password for this month is still Leontis, even though this is uh, the end of August for us. Uh, we'll keep it for one more week. Leontis, don't worry about your spelling. I won't, I'm going to spell check you, but, um, you know, just get close. Uh, and with that, Jakey, where do you want to uh, go with, uh, with data sheets? Should we, what, who are we starting with? We can't do every data sheet. We'll be here no. for three hours. Well, um, so I think the first data sheet we need to talk about, in my opinion, I've gone on record and said, in my personal opinion, the most auto-include model in any army, um, and is so integral to the army, in my opinion, that he has to be in every list. Uh, you heard it here first. Probably not, but, you know. Um, <laughs> is Bellacor. Is oh, of course. Yeah, so Bellacor is the sort of head honcho of the demons i guess he's the supreme commander um he's got a fantastic little stat line well i say little he's a very big monster uh movement 12 toughness 10 four plus four plus armor save 18 wounds six plus leadership five oc um he's got four plus vulnerable save in terms of shooting and damage output it's not brilliant so his shooting is either a psychic attack, 18-inch range, 9 shots, 2s to hit, strength 5, minus 2, 1 damage, devastating wounds, ignores cover. Or he can sort of superpower it for 12 shots, hitting on 2, strength 6, minus 3, 1 damage, ignores cover, psychic, devastating wounds, hazardous. So, you know, not like nothing to write home about, but definitely not something that's completely useless. Um, then he's got his melee weapon, the Blade of Shadows which is a, either a big swing in the form of six attacks hitting on two, strength 14, minus four, d6 plus one damage with lethal hits. Or he can trade that in for a more sort of sweeping profile at 14 attacks hitting on two, strength eight, minus three, one damage. So very versatile in sort of what he can take on. Um, more why we like him is his abilities. So um, I'll just sort of run through them really quick. So the first ability he has is called the Dark Master. So this is an aura ability, and 
this is a very integral one to the army. So this is the first sort of reason you sort of want him, in my opinion. And that is, the area of the battlefield within six inches of this model is considered to be within your army's shadow of chaos. So what this means is for, for example, the deep strikes where, you know, you, you only sort of turn an area into shadow of chaos at the start of a phase. So you can't move on to it. Let's say move on to those sort of midfield objectives, make it shadow of chaos ready for your deep strikes to come in turn two uh, if your opponent takes them off of them. This is just sort of a way of allowing you to, you know, have it wherever you want. So Bellacor knows that he can move up 12, he can deep strike someone within six of him because it's in the shadow of chaos outside six of the enemy and know that you'll be able to get a good charge in there. Um, other reasons as well is because of certain stratagems, which we'll talk about. Um, they, they they require you to be in a shadow of chaos. So again, if, if let's say you can't get on two of the, um, or at least half of the midfield objectives to activate something like a run and charge, um, it means that Bellacor sort of, you know, can babysit that unit and be able to help you out there. That's super helpful. Um, and then secondly, he has what we sort of, know from a lot of the sort of bigger models or the more sort of you know supreme commanders in the game of the sort of i have one ability that i pick out of three abilities and i get that one ability <laughs> so um bellicors are as follows so the first is shadow lord so while a friendly legion demonica so demons unit is within six inches of this model you can re-roll battle shock and leadership checks taken for this unit it's okay i guess um not not great not terrible then we have probably my second favorite one out of the three. Uh, if you can't guess, the one I just said was my least favorite. Um, in the Battleshock step of your opponent's command phase, if an enemy unit is below its starting strength and is within six inches of this model, that unit must take a Battleshock check for the purposes of this ability. If a unit has a starting strength of one, it's considered to be below half strength while it has lost one or more wounds. Now, doesn't sound too great, but when we also remember that while within six inches of Bellacor's Shadow of Chaos, that battle shock check you're forcing them to take is at minus one, and if they fail it, they're going to take D3 with mortal wounds. So can be super helpful in that regard to be able to chip off some more wounds. Right, okay, I can see that. Then we have the final one, which is the best one by about a million zillion miles, and is the reason that um, I think Bellacor is, in my opinion, the most auto-include model in, in any army, and that is Raved in Shadow. And this is while a friendly demon's unit is within six inches of this model, that unit can only be targeted by a ranged attack if that model was within 18 inches. Very, very, very strong. So the, yeah. re the reason I love this as an ability is for two reasons. So the first thing is to note with his um, shadow form is that um, you pick this at the start of the battle round. So this isn't a command phase you have to pick this. This isn't like your sort of lions or gullamans out there. So what it does mean is it doesn't matter who goes first. You can still put up your you can't shoot me with an 18 bubble. So if you go second, it means that very oppressive armies in the game with certain shooting, maybe like an indirect guard sort of list, or maybe... Oh, Eldari! Yeah, or some Eldar with some Wraith Rafe, Cannons. Yeah, Dave, you hit the nail right on the head there. They, it just means that you're safe, right? So you're not having to worry about, you know, like you're not having to worry about just taking a first turn massive hit. Equally, it means you can play the mission really well by keeping those sort of units that will be holding objectives within six. Uh, so you're just keeping everybody generally really safe. Um, and then as you'll notice, as the game goes on and everybody gets a bit closer to each other, you sort of will move to that sort of pearl of despair, battle shock aura. So then you're sort of doing a bit more mortals. But um, yeah, I think Bellacor is incredible. I think he's, um, in my opinion, uh, he's in every list. I think that's a testament to him by seeing most Chaos Demon lists out there. The competitive scene at the moment are 
first name on the team sheet is Bellacor. Um, and I think it's just sort of for the reasons I've listed, it's it's no wonder, right? Yeah. And he's also still one of the coolest models that for that uh, GW's put out in the, like the last five years. So, I mean, he is the defi- the definition of a centerpiece model. So, yeah. I still have his old fine cars model because um, back in the day when I had my 8th edition Demon Army, um, I, I had a Bellacore. I had that Bellacore. He's one of my favorite characters, even from the Gotrek and Felix times of Warhammer Fantasy when he was when he was there, the Mordheim era as well, where he was the Dark Master in that. So, you know, he's he's been all sorts. And what I, what I would recommend any lore sort of lovers out there, just sort of next time you read a certain book, read read those books a bit more carefully because there are actually some instances of Bellacore turning up as other characters where he can change his form without spoiling too much. There's a certain Death Watch, um, Death Watch story regarding a certain Ultramarine chaplain and his friends where one of the members is found by a certain Inquisitor called Bellacore. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's just fu- funny how things work out. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, how about that? Yeah. All right. Uh, so who else, uh, who, who are we putting on the list there to help out Bellacore? So... This is where we sort of look at like my sort of more ideal way of wanting to play the demons, which is the more monster mash. So we've got to look at sort of the big models, right? So right. next, next, I'm going to talk about um, a lord, the Lord of Change. Okay, so um, the Lord of Change is a very, very good and very cheap greater demon. So um, he's very point sufficient for what he does, and what he does is the following. So he's got a fantastic ranged attack. Um, so he, like all other ranged attacks in the game, it has two sort of profiles. So the first one is nine shots hitting on two strength, nine minus one, one damage. Sounds a bit pants, right? But when we super saying it up, right, this thing is uh, nine shots hitting on two strength, nine minus two D3 damage. Very strong. What's even stronger than that is his two abilities that sort of not only help him, but anyone around him. So the first one is uh, Demon Lord of Zinch. So while a friendly Zinch Demon unit is within six inches of this model. Each time a model in that unit makes a ranged attack, you plus one to the strength characteristic of that attack. So his own bolt is now strength 10. Uh, and, ob- okay. and obviously other units around him as well will be getting the extra strength. Um, and then he's got the Master of Magics. But for some reason, magic is spelt with a K and not a C. And that is... No, I've only just noticed that. And it's, it's <laughs> thrown me off. <laughs> so... Um, and in your shooting phase, you can select one of the following abilities. So you can either have Ignore's Cover, Lethal hits or sustained hits D3. And until the end of the phase, the bolt of change gets that ability. So now we've got a bolt of change that is nine shots hitting on twos, strength 10, minus two, D3 damage with sustained hits D3. Okay. Very good. It's very good. Yes. Um, much better. If we then sort of talk about an enhancement very quickly, which I would give a Lord of Change, it's called the Everstave. This is 25 points. And what it does is um, it gives him an extra three inch range and an extra strength on his shooting. So now he's strength 11. Now he's strength 11 at 21 inch range. Or if he's in your shadow of chaos, um, it's plus six inch range and plus two strength. So now we've got a strength 12, 24 inch, nine shot cannon (laughs) off of the Lord of Change. Um, So I think he's fantastic. I think as a, you know, the game is a bit more shooting prevalent at the moment and sort of these lords of change uh, allow you to sort of play in that and they do have other weapons as well so they've got a decent melee profile um at five attacks hitting on three strength six minus one three damage again not the super hittiest thing in the world um you can give them another ranged attack as well with the form of the rod of sorcery which is the thing that looks like a dream catcher or um a bubble blower um in his hand <laughs> um, 
And this and this would this is just like a twelve shot strength six hitting on two strength eight minus one d three damage weapon. Bear in mind if you take the ever stave, this will also increase this profile as well. Um, so that's potentially making it strength eleven with all the buffs after that at, at eighteen inch range um, with d three damage. Just super super solid. Um, and he, then he can still at least hold his own in combat. So yeah, I really really love the Lord of Change there. I think he's um, definitely for me someone you're looking at taking in your lists. Yeah, I, in the past I have never looked at a Lord of Change and gone, "Wow, he's an amazing turret." But yeah. <laughs> now he is. Yeah, now he's, he is. Um, with all with all the buffs you just talked about, you just plant him down, and anything in twenty four inch range is a good chance he's going to level it. So yeah, and what and what is very helpful with him as well with that ever save upgrade is how it interacts with Bellacore with the um being within six. So by being within six, it means he can't be targeted within eighteen inches, and on top of right. that. And now because because he's within six inches of Bellacore and he's within the Shadow of Chaos, he now also has the extra range on his gun. So it just makes him a lot more survivable, right? Um, someone right. I will sort of note on quick in the Lord of Change is actually Kairos Fate Weaver. So this is the named Lord of Change. Um, so he's got two very interesting abilities, but the main thing I like him for his, is his ranged attack. Um, so his ranged attack is either 24 inches, D6 plus 3, Hitting on two strength nine minus two d three damage indirect. So this is the only form of indirect you have in the demon army, and because of that, it makes him a very valuable piece to have. Or you can supercharge this, and this will be d d three plus six shots hitting on two strength nine minus three d three damage. Blast indirect hazardous. Um, so again, absolutely fantastic there. Um, if he's near the Lord of Change, his gun will become strength ten as well, which is great. And then he's got two very unique abilities. So the first one is called One Head Looks Forward. So this is an aura. So anytime as each demon unit within six inches uses a stratagem, or is the target of a stratagem, you roll a dice. And if the roll is greater than the current battle round number, you gain a command point. So got wow. a nice bit, bit of way of getting a CP back there. Really, really great yeah. turns one, two, three, maybe not so much four and five. Um, but still, right. it's, still a, it's still a great ability, right? On already a, a fantastic profile. The main one that we sort of look at here is his one head looks back ability. So this is once per battle after opponent uses a stratagem. This model can use this ability, and if it does so, until the end of the battle, each time your opponent uses that stratagem, you increase the cost to your opponent by one. Now, the reason I was very particular with the wording here is because this is this is what we've sort of dubbed as a vect, right? This is a right. this is an ability to increase your opponent's stratagem use, okay? Now, yeah. when you look at another sort of version of this, maybe in the form of Cypher or Caladus um, Assassin, all it just says is you increase the cost of this by one. It doesn't say anything about each time. Okay, Kairos' one is unique in the fact it says each time your opponent uses that strategy, you increase it by one. So, in theory, and how this is intended to be played from, from people I've asked and, and events have ruled, is let's say I did it on your Overwatch. So the first time you do it, it'll be one. The second time you do it, it'll be two. The next time you do it, it'll be three, four, five, six, so on and so forth. So yeah, so it's it's like a super vect, as it were. Wow. Um, because because again, that's it, it's very good. <laughs> yeah. After your third user, so you're never you're you're just not going to have the CP to play that strat anymore the rest of the game. Realistically. Yeah. And bear in mind as well for any abilities that would make sort of such ability cost zero CP. Due to the designer's commentary, you you sort of modify to zero, and then you add your modifiers on top. So in this yeah. way, you'd still be making Overwatch one, two, three, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
So right. um, I, I think it's fantastic. And, and what I would recommend anybody as well is if you are sort of a bit confused with what I'm saying, is just simply go on the Warhammer 40,000 app or the um, index cards on the Warhammer community site and just look at the instance of Vect. So the one I'll give you is a um, a Calidus Assassin or Cypher the, uh, the Fallen Angel. And then look at Kairos's wording and you'll notice how they're quite different. They're very drastically different in terms of the in the intent there. And then because of that, that's how, that's how these sort of TOs have come to the decision that that is how it works. So here's a 285 point model. So I think it's fair. He does also get a bit of a good effect, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> uh, yeah, but being that cost, he needs something special. So that that kind of justifies the uh, the points investment. Yeah. All right. Um, since we're on Zinch, um, I got to ask, what about uh, the uh, the changeling? And I think it's the blue scribes. I've, I've seen those pop up in Ooh. even CSM lists. So, Dave, what I'm going to tell you is this, right? There's two types of people in this world, Dave, right? There's people who take the changeling and there's people who take the blue scribes. And you've got the mentalists who take both, right? And if you are one of those people that take both, you're a hero and I love you, right? So, um, so the reason these are very prevalent in lists is due to the fact of they are very, very inexpensive loan operatives. So let's just, the blue scribe's going to be the easiest one to describe first um, because he has less rules, basically, because um, he is really just there as a extremely cheap, fast loan operative. So if you look at his stat line, movement 12, toughness 4, 6 plus, six plus save, 4 plus vulnerable save, 6 wounds, leadership 8 plus OT2. So not great stat line other than his 12-inch move. He has a combat attack, which is four attacks, hitting on five, strength two, uh, AP zero, one damage, anti-psycho two plus. So, you know, if you're a wizard, watch out, right? He's, he's lone operative. So if you're, if you're, if you're, uh, if, if you've ever wondered what was the, the, the blue scribe before he became, uh, you know, a, a, a little zinch demon, he was clearly a Tau with that weapon skill. Yeah, or he's um he's got like a tattoo pen as one of his quills, and he's just there trying to write on them like naughty words and all Apparently, that. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> um, so then he's got two other rules. So again, both of these aren't too brilliant. So I'll just skim over them quickly. So one of them is while one of them are units within twelve inches of this model. Each time a model in that unit makes a psychic attack, subtract one from the wound roll. Um, the reason we don't like this ability too much is because it sort of is very counterintuitive to the lone operative ability. You have to be within twelve of them, um, but you want to stay outside twelve for your lone operative. Um, and then the second one is the exact same reason why it's not not too great, but it is still a nice ability. Um, at the end of your movement phase, you roll one d6 for each enemy unit within six inches of you. On a two to three, you take one mortal wound. On a four to five, you take d3 mortal wounds. On a six, you take d6. So if he does have to get super close, at least you know that you know you're going to be doing some mortals. Okay. But the main reason, but the main reason you're taking him is because he's 65 points of an extremely cheap fast loan operative that could zip his way across the battlefield onto an objective. Um, and just sort of sit there for the, for most of the game, knowing that your opponent has to actually put something into him to try and you know take off, right? Yeah, I mean, um, okay. So he's it's the it's the deep, the combination of the deep strike lone operative and the twelve inch movement that he's he's just a tech piece for playing the missions. Yeah. Then we have someone who's a bit better than a tech piece, and that is the changeling. So the changeling is still a tech piece. And I will go on record and say every single game I've played of 10th edition uh, with my Chaos Demons or Chaos Space Marines has a 100% include rate of the Changeling. That's how much I love, <laughs> love this guy, right? All right. Um, so um, I won't go over his damage profiles because, to be honest, again, it's not really what he's here for. Um, and they're not like uber brilliant anyway. The main things with him, he's lone operative and he has stealth. So if you are within 12 of him and you do get to shoot him, you're going to be minus one to hit, which is great. 
the model that is uh, five wounds for a four plus vulnerable save and toughness free. He then has formless horror. So this is his first of many trolling abilities. So um, each time, <laughs> it's, this, these abilities are amazing. And I will tell you some funny stories about each one as well, very briefly. So um, formless horror, each time an enemy unit wishes to select this model as a target of an attack, you must first take a battle shock check. If you fail this battle shock check, in addition to being battle shocked, you can't declare this model as a target this phase. So if we look at shooting, let's say, let's say you, you know, you get near him to try and shoot him, you've got to take a battle shock check. Bear in mind if you're in your own sh- if if they're in your shadow of chaos, this is going to be at minus one. If they fail it, they take D3 mortal wounds, they're battle shocks, they're AC zero and can't use stratagems, and they can't even target the changeling. Now you can reallocate your your attacks as per the glossary for any abilities like that. But, Dave, in combat, you may not be so lucky. Because this is just each time the model's selected as a target of attack. So if you charge this model to try and maybe flip an objective, let's say, then you've got to take a battle shot check. <laughs> and if you fail this battle shot check, you are OC zero, you are not using stratagems, and you can't even fight him. Because if there's nothing else within engagement range, you can't declare any other targets, right? Right. So thank you for walking willingly into the shadow of chaos. <laughs> now sit yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. So um, I've had it in an instance with um, a good friend of mine, Liam. Uh, he charged his warp talons into my changeling to try and flip an objective for the Sites of Power mission, where you get more points for characters being on them. Uh, his his warp talons, you know, sort of screamed into my changeling and then proceeded to just not do anything because they failed the battle shot check. They took D3 mortal wounds, losing a warp talon in the process, uh, and then the changeling actually managed to kill two more warp talons <laughs> in the process. So so he's he's killed three warp talons. He hasn't even fought him. And he's AC zero, so nothing happens. So it's it's an incredible rule, right? One that's a bit more less incredible, but still super good if it happens is mischief and confusion. So at the start of your opponent's shooting phase, you select one enemy unit within twelve inches and visible to this model, and roll a dice. On a two to five, that unit is minus one to hit for the rest of the phase. On a six, they can't shoot; they're not eligible to shoot. Bless you, Dave. <laughs> so, Thank you. Um, I think I hit the mute I, button, but I'm not sure. You did, you did, and okay, I think yeah. that was that's why I thought it was amazingly impressive. Um, so um, now this is very, very good. Now the instance I had this was a very funny moment. I played a chap called I played a chap called Jamie at my first ever tenth edition event. Um, he moved his knight Castellan uh, to within twelve of the changeling because basically he wanted to get the missiles that do really good into characters on there. Um, he couldn't get enough onto the objective, so he had to try and kill Shalaxi, who was on the objective with his big guns, and the changeling who. Um, was also on the objective just to double down on it uh, and i was like you know you're within 12 inches so just so you're aware i've got to roll a dice on a two to five you're minus one the hit on a six you can't shoot he goes yeah okay still gonna do it i roll the dice and it was a six so it meant the castellan couldn't shoot <laughs> and shellaxi went in and picked it up so again another very niche ability but more what you're looking at with this model he's 10 points more than the blue scribes but he's got in my opinion a lot more survivability because of that formless horror and because he's stealth and because he's lone operative. So I think in most demon lists, nearly all of them, you, you, you would sort of consider taking this model. At 75 points, he's extremely inexpensive, um, and he's definitely one of the more cheaper options that you can take in the list to be a backfield objective holder or go up and move on to objective. For sites of power, he's fantastic as well, with, with like I said, for the reasons before. Um, overall, I just think he's fantastic. So yeah, that, those, are, those are the two in the form of Zinch with the Changeling and the Blue Scribe. So you've got to pick. You can either be one or the other, or you can be both, right? So um, right. if you are, if if you do leave a comment on the podcast or even in the Facebook group, just let us know, right? Are you a changeling kind of person? Are you a blue scribes kind of person? Or do you take both? 
Well, do you take none because you don't play demons? But you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, no, but I can I, I I can see why I would absolutely if I played demons I would absolutely feel the change because that's just a whole lot of of memory and good times um, on top of some very useful mission play. So I like it. That's that the changing looks like would, looks like he would be a lot of fun to play with. He is absolutely fantastic. We got to move on. So uh, just pick one of the the you know Zinch. Um, what we would have previously referred to as a troops choice. Um, are we talking pink horrors? Are we looking at flamers? Are we talking? Well, you know, we got to talk about flamers, screamers. I've got to talk about flamers because um, I think in terms of points efficiency for what they do, I think they're really great. They're sixty-five points for three of them, or one hundred and thirty for six. They have a flamer profile, as you could probably imagine from the name. This is a D6 shot, strength 4, minus 1, uh, 1 damage, torrent weapon. That is also psychic and ignores cover. So again, if, if we see in the future some interactivity with some sort of psychic abilities for Zinch Demons, because spoiler, there isn't really any, um, then, you, then you'll get to see it here. But um, another really awesome ability they have, they can fall back and shoot, which is really good. Um, but the main reason I like these is just for they're super, super cheap. They just have a 4-plus in vulnerable save versus everything now rather than a 3-plus or a 6-plus in combat. They're three wounds each. They're super small footprint as well. So to be able to do your mission play, like you investigate your signals, you deploy teleport home as you're behind enemy lines, stuff like that, they're in. I think three units of these, three units of three of these just to do your missions, and if they need to, can shoot some bits as well. It's just great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for 130 points, six of them, just plopping them around the, the table just to be obnoxious with Overwatch. Yeah. Um, I can see why. I, I I would still agree that they have come down from where they were in ninth edition, but to a reasonable degree. A hundred percent. Yeah, they were they were they were too over the top in ninth edition. I think now they're just about right. They're just about survivable enough um, that they're not completely useless, um, and they do enough damage so that it's not oppressive, but it's a good little tech piece. Um, I think, like I said, these are these are great for your mission play as well because they're small footprint. Um, and they can deep strike with all your cool abilities. So yeah, I definitely would recommend three units of these, or three units of three of these in your army just to do your missions. And then we'll just real quick. I just want to touch on screamers. They're they've got a fourteen inch movement. They got the four up in vulnerable save. T four three wounds, and they've got a slashing dive. Which uh, in your movement phase, they're bombers. In your movement <laughs> phase, after this unit ends a normal move, you can select one enemy unit it moved over. Roll a d six on a four up. That enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. Sadly, it's not like her model in the squad or anything, but still it's just, ah, boop, take a mortal wound, boop, take a mortal wound. We just are just, you know, in the course of the game, they're just going to sort of racetrack the field and drop a mortal wound on people here and there. Yeah, so, exactly. So, you know, they've got, they've got those sort of abilities that really sort of help with that. Um, I think the screamers are a really good other unit as well. Um, I just think in terms of for points wise, like depending on what you're looking at doing with your with your list, like we said at the start, you can play a monster mash type of theme or you can play sort of more horde type of theme. If you play the horde theme, I think definitely screamers go in just for your mission play and your ability to do damage. Um, I just like the flamers in the sort of way I'm sort of looking at building my list because it allows me to sort of play with that MSU style. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's move on to another one of the chaos gods. Um... Who do you want to do next? Oh, do you know what? Let's do Slanesh, right? Because there's Slanesh one. Shelby. There's one particular model here that um I will I will make a public apology about, right? I'm not often wrong. Is it Shalaxi? Uh maybe. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I'm not often wrong. At least, you know, I've never I never have been, so you know, I don't know what it feels like. Obviously I'm joking. Um I've been wrong about a lot of things. And this was one of them. I think there was that one time that you thought you were wrong, but you were mistaken. 
Yes, exactly. That, that, yes, yes, exactly. It was more of a mistake yeah. rather than was wrong. So, um, you know, yes. thank you, Dave, for, for reminding me of that. So this, this is this, this is an instance where I saw the I saw the points and just made an assumption. Okay, because I've always been very much like four hundred points is too much to pay for one model, unless it's a knight. Boy, I was wrong. <laughs> Boy, I was wrong. <laughs> right. Shalaxi Hellbane uh, is absolutely fantastic. So movement 14, toughness 10, 5 plus armor save, 4 plus invulnerable save, so we don't have to worry about the armor save. 20 wounds, leadership 6 plus OC 5. Um, if we look at abilities just first off, um, she has a 5 plus feel no pain built in. So she's a 20 wound toughness 10 model with a 4 plus invulnerable save, 5 plus feel no pain. Wow. Okay, so if we just look yeah. at her from a defensive point of view, wow. Um, then she has two absolutely fantastic abilities. So the first is the Cloak of con- Construction. Constriction. We'll just go Constriction, not Construction, because I highly doubt she's building anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. this isn't... Uh, she's not playing Minecraft. <laughs> no, no. I think, if anything, she's destroying everything. So um, at the start of the fight phase, select one enemy unit with an engagement range of this model until the end of the phase subtracts one from the attack characteristics of the melee profile equipped by a unit. So... Doesn't sound great, but when you think about it, into what a single model, it's not great. But into a horde of, you know, like Tyranid Hormagons or um, Deathwing Knights or anything like that, you know, you you could sometimes half their attacks by doing that, you know, or make them one third less, or you know, like it's it could be ridiculously good. Um, yeah. So you know, even basically- even a squad of Custodian Guard or something. Yeah. Which a is very- like one of the big melee terrors right now. Taking one attack off of them is going to improve her survivability. Yeah, so already, you know, so again, like in combat, she's pretty safe, I would sort of care to say with that. Um, the best rule she has is the Monarch of the Hunt. So each time this model declares a charge, you can re-roll against a monster vehicle or character unit, you can re-roll the charge roll. So already fantastic built-in CP re-roll on the charger means you can use your CP re-roll elsewhere if you need to on the deep strike. The better side of this rule is that in addition to that, each time she makes a melee attack that targets a monster vehicle or character unit, you can reroll the hit, wound, and damage. So, very good. Um, now, bear in mind it says character unit. So, if again, if you're unfamiliar with some of, some of the interactions, if a character joins a unit, that unit now becomes a character unit. So, this is very good. So, she's basically rerolling things versus like ninety five percent of the things in the game. I'd say, Dave. Yeah. So I'm gonna and I'm gonna slow that down there just for everybody listening. Yes, he said re-roll the hit roll, the wound roll, and the damage roll. This is not a situation where you have to pick one. No, no, you get to re-roll all of them. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Shalaxi Hellbane is making melee great again in 10th edition. She, I think she single-handedly is carrying the combat phase threat on her back. And with that, I think we should have a look at her melee profile quite quickly, because if she's got an awesome ability to re-roll hits, wounds, and damage into monsters, vehicles, and characters, let's see what she actually does, right? So we'll start with the snapping claws. So these are four attacks hitting on two, strength six, minus two, three damage. Devastating wounds, extra attacks. So what this means is she can do this on top of her main attack. And these have devastating wounds. So if you need to, you can try and fish for sixes with the re-rolls just to try and get those mortal wounds through um, and all sorts. So absolutely fantastic there. The creme de la creme, the main event though, is the soul, uh, the soul piecer. This is her big spear so if you if you don't know the model it's just the big keeper secrets with some funky hair and a massive spear this is six attacks hitting on twos strength 14 minus three d6 plus two damage each with precision 
So she can just sort of rock into a unit. You, she can snipe out a character if she needs to. If you don't feel you need to snipe out the character, you can just hit the unit itself, re-rolling hit all the hits and wounds and damage. Very terrifying in combat there. Um, it, she's yeah. a monster, right? I can see her absolutely just picking out characters out of units, and then the rest of the unit has now lost whatever buff the character was giving, and they're going, um, now we're minus one attack and everything else that she's got. Yeah. Yeah. She's so, monarch of the hunt indeed. Yeah. And on top of all of that, Dave, if she wasn't already fantastic enough in melee, she's equally quite good in shooting as well. <laughs> so she's got the Lash of Slanesh. So this is an assault weapon, 12 inch range, strength six, hitting on two, strength, uh, sorry, six attacks, not strength, bliss skill two plus. It is those strength six, <laughs> minus one with two damage. Um, and then she has her psychic power, the Pervane of Slanesh. So Again, it's got two different profiles. The more tame one, D6 shots, hitting on two, strength nine, minus one, D3 damage, devastating wounds. The less tame one, 18 inches, D6 shots, hitting on two, strength nine, minus two, D3 damage, hazardous, devastating wounds, sustained hits free. So <laughs> she, she not only is going to be hitting you in combat really hard, she also is going to be getting rid of whatever's in front of her that you're trying to block the charge with as well. Yeah, the only thing lacking there is the fact that it's D6 attacks, so yeah. you, you've got as much chance of you know getting six attacks off and fishing for that sustained hits as you do, you know, yeah, one that's, attack. And, yeah, the, the, D, the D6 is a bit of a shame, um, but if I'm honest, like the fact that, you know, if let's say your average is three and then you should really get one six, that's potential of like five hits maybe. Um, you know that that's with average rolls. If if we know anything about anyone here on Vanguard Tactics, the average is either is non-existent or is completely right. dead on. <laughs> so um, the average is generally a myth. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um it's again like winter's coming, right? <laughs> so it's just something people yes. say. Um, so yeah, so again, she's absolutely fantastic. Very very pricey, but don't don't be like me and judge her by the points. Judge her by how she affects. Unit, uh, how she affects the battlefield and in and from my experience in all the games i've played with her i love her she's amazing <laughs> and she and again another fantastic centerpiece model to put on the field and yeah. the fact that now we, and, and let's just go back to what we talked about earlier with Bellacor, he's mm-hmm. going to keep her safe long enough for her to maybe get in a position for a really good charge or you deep strike her into uh shadow into the shadow of chaos from six inches away with her you know, re-roll the charge roll, and she's going to make that six-inch charge and start um, wrecking people. So, one hundred percent, a very strong unit that is going to play well into how this faction plays. Yeah. So, I like it. All right. Um, just a, a quick note: the Keeper of Secrets, the the smaller sibling of Shalaxi, um, has um, similar stat line, two less wounds. Everything else is pretty much the same. Um, while a but does not have the feel no pain five up. Um, and the special abilities are Demon Lord of Ka- Demon Lord of Slanesh, while a friendly Slanesh uh, demon unit is within six inches of this model. Improve the AP of melee weapons by one. Nice. And mesmerizing form each time an attack targets this model, subtract one from the hit roll. So she's she's got uh, super stealth. Yeah. So oh, and then, no, and it says it's a shining aegis, so you can give her the war gear ability. So you, you can actually optionally, and why wouldn't you? Because you don't pay points for these things right now. Bear has the feel no pain five up ability. So, strong. Very Not strong. Not quite shellaxy strong, but strong. I still think a fantastic choice. I think um, 
I don't think you, you would see like like I sort of envision, uh, you know, Demon Armies having a Lord of Change and Kairos Fate Weaver in the same list and then a Shalaxi. I think you would take this instead of a Shalaxi, maybe because you're, you know, shy on points or something. But I still think is a fantastic choice, like you said. So, yeah, really, really do like um, Shalaxi and the Keeper. Yeah, just pointing up the points, put Shalaxi in, move on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, and, well, all right, let's, uh, one other, is there any other character models um, that we should mention here? Um, um, do you know what? Sa- sadly, sadly not. Um, they are the the rest of them are not underwhelming. I'm not I'm not going to go that far. Um, I will sort of give a little shout out to this is just for any mark to be honest. Um, the Demon Prince, uh, the Demon Prince of Chaos, um, either with wings or on foot. Um, both very hitty pieces and can be any mark. And depending on what mark they are, they get certain abilities. Um, I think these are definitely like if you're not. If you haven't got the points to put in like a big greater demon, definitely sort of look at one of these as like a little hard hitting unit because where, you know, they, they can come up quite, quite useful. Okay. And what about the, uh, the, the, the troops choices for um, Slanesh? The, uh, um, got the Seekers. Demonettes, uh, Demonettes and the Seekers. Yeah, so um, Demonettes are quite good, actually. Um, so Demonettes are... Let me just... There we are. So Demonettes, they get three attacks each, hitting on three, strength four, minus one, devastating wounds, which is really good. Um, and then their, like, baked-in ability is uh, they can reroll ones to hit, or they can reroll all hits if you're on an objective marker. So pretty decent profile there. Um, in terms of points, they're slightly pricey. There are 140 points for 10 of them. Um, at toughness, three one wound models with a five up invol. It's 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 very much a you gotta hope that your opponent can't be overwatching because Kairos has already made it cost about a million command points. Um, <laughs> however, what they are fantastic at is they move nine inches. Um, so as a like, if you've got if you want to run more of like a theme slanesh army, you can take um, like a, if you want to just go with the slanesh theme, I definitely recommend having a few units of these with these sort of um, heralds that you can take because the heralds give them re-roll. I believe they give them re-roll wounds. I haven't looked into the heralds too much just because of where I've been doing that. They sorry, they give them fight first, and then at the end of the movement phase, you can select one enemy unit that is battle shocked and within twelve inches, and then you then you can re-roll hits and wounds. So not not the best ability. Um, but the fights first on the unit would be super good because it just means that if they're being charged, the defensive player gets to pick with fights first and they could be able to hit them first. So overall, a bit lackluster, to be honest. Fiends are very, very expensive as well. They're 50 points a model um, for, again, not, not a very survival, you know, 150 points for three of them. Very, very expensive for what they are. I definitely think Slanesh more the sort of good parts of Slanesh is the Greater Demon and Shalaxi. Um, so it's a bit of a shame, but hopefully... You know, with as we know, the game is ever evolving. Um, you know, so hopefully, in a few, you know, when they look at sort of points and stuff, hope, we can only hope that maybe these go down uh, very slightly. Yeah, I will throw out that um, in case you are the type of person who just wants to field an army that makes your uh, opponent just really uncomfortable when they come up across the table from you, you could actually put out a squad of uh, of demonettes with the infernal enrapturous. Um, because she's, she's the one that's, that's playing a harp made out of the, what appears to be the muscle tissue or tendons or something out of the dude's back. This guy's been like, you know, anyway, she's playing a human harp. It's gross. Um, but she does have the ability that it's it's an amazing model. If you really want to creep your opponent out and she does have the ability that, um, she can return D3 destroyed models to a, 
bodyguard unit that she's in, which is she can only join Demonette, so she could technically bring back D three Demonettes every turn. So maybe there's a there's a play where you put out ten Demonettes and her, and just have them camp on an objective, and even if they get through, you know, the the five up invuln, she's just putting models back on the table. Your opponent would actually have to put some a little bit more attention than you would want to otherwise to take this unit out, but. And it's just something to throw out there. Just a thought. I, I, I like that idea. I like that idea, especially in Bellacore's aura. So then they're untargetable within 18. So you sort of really have to get quite close to them. So Yeah, you'd really have to commit to taking them off. That was that was just a, something that just popped in my head real quick. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're two, de- two chaos uh, demon. There are two chaos gods down, two to go. Nurgle or Korn? Let's go Nurgle. Let's go Nurgle. Right. Um, Nurgle's one of my favorite ones. Uh, so we're going to talk about the great unclean one. Um, here yeah. I know we keep talking about the greater demons, but they are the centerpiece models. They are they are you know the sort of more appealing models in the army. Um, now I love the great unclean one. I love the great unclean one. As somebody who is not a fan of building and painting, this is one of the most simple models I've ever put together. And I will go on record and say that very easy to put together. Looks awesome. Let's see if it holds up, Dave. Right? Yes. So we'll look at the basic great unclean one first. Uh, so this model is. Movement 7, toughness 12, 5 plus armor save, 4 plus vulnerable save. So again, we're just looking at the invul. 20 wounds, leadership 6 plus, OC 5. Pretty tanky. Toughness 12. Toughness 12. Um, So then we've got, it's got two types of shooting attacks. So the first is one of the war gear options for it, the plague flail. Um, I think you take this one if you're going to take a great unclean one because of how monsters interact in combat so they can still shoot. And they can shoot outside of combat as well. You just want him to be able to do as much damage in different phases as possible, in my opinion. Um, so the plague failed. D6 plus one shots, hitting on three, strength seven minus two, two damage. Pretty decent. Pretty decent there. Um, he'll pick up. He'll pick up some space marines. Yeah, and then he's got a flamer. D6 plus three shots, strength five minus two, one damage. Torrent ignores cover. So again, pretty decent. Not too bad. Um, then we've got uh, Demon Lord of Nurgle. So while within six inches of friendly demon, uh, Nurgle demon units within six, get a six plus feel no pain. Pretty good. Pretty good. Not, not great, not terrible, right? Um, right. Okay. Then we've got Nurgle's Rot, the Psychic Power. So this is uh, at the end of your movement phase, you select one enemy unit within 12 inches of this model, and to the start of your next movement phase, subtract one from the toughness characteristic of models in that unit. That is actually a really great rule, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it really, it really stops the barriers. So if you're toughness six going to toughness five, that's quite a big change. Toughness five, toughness four, toughness four, toughness three, uh, or even toughness ten to toughness nine, um, you know, can really sort of scupper some plans. It means that if we were to take a lot of change in our army as well, um, making something go from toughness ten to toughness nine at least means at the minimum the lord of change is going to be strength t- ten on his weapon. You're now wounding that thing on freeze. So really underrated rule in my opinion that. Um, it's just a shame it has to come on a model that is very expensive <laughs> um, for what he does. Yeah, 280 points, and he only moves seven inches at a time, so he's slogging his way across the table, unless you're deep striking him. Yeah, the Grey Unclean one, however, um, can be given a enhancement called the Endless Gift. I think if you're going to take a Grey Unclean one, a basic, a basic Grey Unclean one, you have to take this, this upgrade. What this upgrade does is it gives him a 5-plus Feel No Pain, or if he's in the Shadow of Chaos... He has a four plus feel no pain. Mm, okay. So now you've got a toughness 12 model with 20 wounds with a four plus invulnerable save and a four plus feel no pain. Do you even bother like at that point trying to kill him? 
because he's so tough. Right, or just ignore him. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um, Put your efforts elsewhere. Yeah. Um, he does have a... Um, I was about to say more handsome. Um, I don't know if we, we can use that word for these people. Um, they all have... Ha- everybody's no, handsome no. in their own way, uh, maybe except uh, Rotigus. This is name. Um, so this is the named version of the Great Unclean One. So most notable things, he's got two extra wounds than a normal Great Unclean One. Um, he has a slightly different shooting attack. So he has the steams, the streams of blacklish, brackless filth. Brackish filth. Black, yeah. Brackish filth. Thank you, Dave. Um, yeah. You can see I'm struggling there. Um, 2d6 shots, strength 7, minus 2, 1 damage, torrent, devastating wounds. Absolutely fantastic profile there. Great for Overwatch. Um, then he's got two other, um, he's got a melee profile that's really great. So he's either got, um, seven attacks hitting on two strength, eight minus three, three damage, lethal hits, or a sweep attack version of this attack. Uh, 14 attacks hitting on two strength, seven minus one, one damage. Both are great. I think, again, I love models that have two different profiles for either a horde type of killing or a big stuff type of killing. I think, um, you know, that's really good. And then he's got two abilities. So the first is that, um... At the start of the fight phase, you can select one enemy unit within 18 inches invisible to this model until the end of the phase. Each time a Nurgle demon unit from your mo- from your army allocates attacks to models in that unit, you add one to the damage characteristic. Now, doesn't sound great, but then it does make his big sweep, his, his sweep attack, two damage. Um, so I, I, I don't really see this as something that will benefit your army because it's so limited to the Nurgle Demon aspect, but at least now it makes his sweeps too damage. It makes Plague Bearers too damage as well, and they do weirdly hit hard in combat. Okay. The main, abil- the main ability he has is the Deluge of Nurgle. So one an enemy unit is within six inches of this model, you half their move and OC characteristic. That's obnoxious. It's very, very strong. So he's 285 points as well. I think that only brings him in slightly more, only very slightly more expensive than the Great and Clean one. That's only five points more. Yeah. So yeah, if so you, the, the Guo is two eighty. Yeah. So I think he's. I actually think he's really like quite great. Um, he doesn't have feel no pain, so that is something you are lacking. So you do lack the super awesome tankiness, but he's still a toughness 12, 22 wound four plus invulnerable save model. Like at the end of the day, we can't take anything away from him there. Um, right. He's still going to be there for several rounds of shooting, and you're still yeah. going to be questioning your life choices. Do you really want to be wasting your time shooting at this guy? Yeah. Um. Obviously, the only caveats we do have with him is that um he is very slow still. Uh, which I think when we look at our sort of other greater demons, which are faster and hit harder and all that, I think maybe they just win out slightly. But yeah. So those are the two great greater demons. Um, a unit I will give a big shout out to that I do really like. I'll give two. The first is um plague bearers. Uh, they are absolutely fantastic. Toughness five with two wounds each and OC two. Uh, really solid stat line there, in my opinion. And they also get the sticky objective rule. So if they started the command, if they ended the command phase on an objective, it counts as in your control until the start of en- or the start or end of any turn until your opponent controls it. So really great, and they're super tough. So you can't just shoot them off of indirect super easily because they are tough. Um, the second being Nerglings. Um, now these guys are OC zero, so don't seem super useful, but they are infiltrators. And they are forty points for three of them. They're cheap. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they're your mission playing pieces. They're they're your they're your mission playing pieces, and they're allowing you to not get alpha struck uh, turn one. And I think because of that, for forty points, there's no reason why you shouldn't take at least one unit of these in your army. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Just yeah, you're not gonna flip. You're not gonna do primaries, but you are gonna use them for secondaries. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 100%. Uh, and then 
I guess. Oh, and um, quick note, the Beasts of Nurgle, oh, they yeah. still have their grotesque regeneration, but it is, uh, and it's still just as obnoxious, I think, as what it was in ninth. At the end of each phase of a Beast of Nurgle model, and this unit has lost any wounds, is, but is not destroyed, it regains all of its lost wounds. And it's T9 now with seven wounds. It is ridiculous. And a five-up invuln. I don't know. So, it's... yeah, he's, he's just going to sit there. Yeah. He's, he's never moving. Um, and, yeah, you can still take the minions of one as well, which is great. So, uh, well, I don't know who, great, who, who it's great for, to be honest. But it's great for them, not right. great for anyone else. So, um, yeah, super, super obnoxious. Yeah. All right. So then anybody else in Nurgle we need to get any special mention to? I think that's it for Nurgle, to be honest. Um, as I said, they're not the most... They're not the sort of hittiest they've never been, uh, but they are definitely one of the most durable and they've got some cool tricks. But yeah, definitely love the Nurglings and I do like the Great Unclean one, the Endless Gift. Yeah. Okay. All right. That takes us back to the Blood God himself. Corn. <laughs> Have your cornflakes for breakfast, people. So there's two really good... Well, there's actually three really good standout units here. Okay. Um, so we'll go through them in order of the app. So the first will be Blood Crushers. So we're not going to start with a Great Demon this time. We're going to start with actually... A unit that's probably received my, one of my awards for most improved unit between editions. All right. So these guys are um, 120 points for three of them, 240 points for six. So they are really cheap when you look at the stat line in the form of 10-inch move, toughness seven, four plus invulnerable save, four wounds each, leadership seven plus OC2. Attacks-wise, they have two attacks each, freeze to hit, Strength 5, minus 2, 2 damage. And then they get 4 extra attacks at hitting on 4, strength 6, minus 1, 1 damage lance. So when they charge, you get plus 1 to wound. Um, the main sort of rule we like here is the Brass Stampede. So each time this unit ends a charge move, select one enemy unit with an engagement range of this unit and roll a d6 for each model in this unit. On a 4 plus, that enemy unit suffers d3 mortal wounds. So if you've got a unit of 6, not all 6 have to make engagement range. You just have to get 1 in there. And then you roll 6 dice. So on average, you're going to get 3. And that's 3d3 mortal wounds before you've even done anything. So for 240 points minimum, um, oh, sorry, maximum, 120 points minimum, super good. Yeah, obnoxious. Here, yeah. we just charged you. Um, take a, a bunch of mortal wounds. Have a nice yeah. day. And again, just super cheap, right? Um, so next is the Bloodthirster. So again, we, you know, we weren't, we weren't going to keep you too long. Oh, yeah, we got we, we to gotta give love to the Bloodthirster because, you know, one of the coolest, one of the coolest models in Warhammer, probably one of the most iconic ones as well. Depending on like any of the video games you've played as well. Um, yep, words right out of my mouth. Absolutely yeah. iconic. So, so he's got, so he's got quite a lot of choice here. The one we're going to look at specifically is the Great Axe of Corn loadout. Um, so this would make him have a shooting attack of D6 strength five minus one one damage ignores cover torrent. Then in combat. He's got seven attacks, hitting on two, strength 16, minus four, D6 plus two damage. Or 14 attacks, hitting on two, strength 10, minus two, two damage. Um, Abilities-wise, he gives uh, corn demons within six of him, plus one to hit in combat. And his best rule, <laughs> at the end of the fight phase, you can select one enemy unit with an engagement range of this model and roll eight dice. For every four plus you roll, that unit suffers a mortal wound. So... If he's not killed you from hitting you with his massive axe, he's probably going to kill you from all these mortal wounds he's now just done from this exploding, uh, relentless carnage. Um, equally, something to note, it doesn't say you have to, because you do this at the end of the fight phase, he can potentially pile into another unit and then do this ability. 
Um, so that's super good as well. So it just means you can get some more damage on them. So amazing, amazing, amazing model. He's 300 points exactly. Um, something I do recommend here is giving him an upgrade called Argath the King of Blades, the enhancement. Uh, so this is a like 20 point enhancement. This gives him plus one attack and strength um, if he's uh, not in Shadow of Chaos or plus two attacks and strength if he is in Shadow of Chaos. So then he becomes... <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. So he then becomes <laughs> yeah. So he then becomes strength nine. If you're in shadow chaos, he becomes uh, nine attacks at strength eighteen or sixteen attacks at strength twelve. Um, either way, amazing. Right? So um, we love him. I think he's great. Right. All right. Uh, and then are we talking Scarbrand? Uh, so yeah, we can talk about Scarbrand quick now. Scarbrand definitely has received a bit of a nerf. Um, he's no longer. He had his one edition in the sun. Um, you know, he, he was always not very good in the previous editions. Then in ninth edition when the Codex came out, the ugly duckling finally became a swan uh, and and was great. <laughs> and I, I think has just been demoted to ugly duckling again. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> right. So, see, but, but to all credit to him, he, he's still quite cool. So he's toughness 11, uh, four plus multiple save, 20 wounds. He's only eight inch move though, rather than 12. And he doesn't fly, which is a bit sad. Um, well, that's because his wings are damaged. They are very damaged. Um, then he's got Slaughter and Carnage, so he just has like a souped-up version of um, the Bloodthirster. So he's got, uh, well, he's got like a mix. Sorry, more of like a mixed profile of like the Great Axe and the um, the normal um, Cornate Axe. So he's either got eight attacks hitting on two, strength sixteen minus four, flat six damage, which is great. Which is nice. Yeah, or sixteen attacks hitting on two, strength eight minus one, two damage. Very sad to see minus one there. Um, yeah, but, but still, yeah, the, it's his 16. strength profile is awesome. His sweet profile is very nah. also random. <laughs> um, yeah, very nice. And then, and then this is what's probably the saddest, right? Um, so he's got two very, very good rules. Well, he's got one really good rule, one very, very meh rule, right? So rage embodied in embodied. Now, I think it's quite ironic. It's called raged embodied, right? When you then read what it does. So while a friendly corn demon unit, excluding monsters and vehicles are within six inches of this model. Add one to the attack characteristics of the melee weapons equipped by models in that unit. If it's rage embodied, why is everyone not angry? Why right. is the why are the monsters not angry, right? I think that's No, be, because because having because having him <laughs> um, give an extra attack to the bloodthirster would just be silly. But everyone should be angry, Dave, right? That's the that's my point. Yes. Um, yes. Um, his better rule, however, is uh, murder lust. So while an enemy unit is within six inches of, sorry, while a unit in general, so yours and your opponents, uh, is within six inches of this model, each time that unit is selected to fall back, it must take a leadership check. If the test is failed, um, they have to remain stationary. Um, now, please bear in mind that this this actually doesn't interact with the Shadow of Chaos. I don't believe. I could be wrong. I am just going to quickly check it on the on on here um, because I believe. Yeah, so it's um, it's only when you take Battle Shock your minus one leadership or your minus one to the test for Shadow of Chaos. So it's very sad it doesn't interact in that regard. It would have been great if it was like a Battle Shock check uh, just to see, but then it, I guess it wouldn't make it would probably be quite powerful if if, if that was the case. Um, yeah. So his so his old rule used to just be all enemy and friendly units within six inches if they want to fall back have to take a three d six leadership check. Um, and this was back in the day where if you rolled above the roll you failed it. And got plus one attack, so they've now split it into two parts of 
only corn people get the plus one attack now. Um, I think if everyone got the plus one attack, it would actually be quite strong um, because it then means you're making units like um, you know, like other greater demons have plus one attack. Um, so yeah, right. so sort of, sort of to your point. Um, but yeah, the remaining stationary thing's really good. Um, I think that's probably like one of the main reasons you use him. If I had to pick between Scarbrand and a Bloodthirster, Scarbrand is 365 points. So he's 65 whole points more than a Bloodthirster. 45 if you take the upgrade. I think the Bloodthirster wins this hands down, to be honest. Yep, um, never mind. We'll just stick with the Bloodthirster. Yeah. And then finally, uh, the Renmaster on Bloodthrone, another model I don't think I've ever seen used other than in Warhammer Fantasy, but now has received a big glow up. This is the... Um, this used to be referred to as the Blood Throne. So this is this this is the same kit that makes a Skull Cannon. And again, if you don't know what a Skull Cannon is, I don't blame you. Um, so this dude is a Herald. So he's a hero on a big sort of chariot. Uh, so he's got two types of attacks. So he's got um, four attacks, hitting on three, strength five, minus two, two damage. He's extra attacks. Then he has an actual Blade of Blood, which is five attacks, hitting on two, strength six, minus two, three damage. Um... He's got a fantastic ability, right? This is called Blood Frame. So at the start of the fight phase, select one enemy unit within 18 inches invisible to this model. Until the end of the phase, each time a friendly Corn Legion Demonica unit, so Corn Demon unit, makes an attack improve the strength, damage, and AP characteristic of those weapons by one. So it means your blood, blood letters are running into a unit with now like three attacks at strength six, minus two, flat three damage. It means your Blood Crushers are running into them at five attacks on the extra attack dudes, three attacks on the dudes on top, two damage and three damage respectively on their attacks with extra AP strength. I think that's an amazing rule if you're looking at running yeah. a lot of corn stuff. No, I agree. That's that's. I mean, and the cool thing is because you're designating it, you're just picking an enemy unit and saying, you, anytime we attack you this phase, we get the pl- the, the strength, AP, and damage buffs. It's almost like a lightweight oath of moment. Yeah, like we're we've just we have just decided that you are Fubar, and yeah. now we're going to make that a thing. Yeah, so it's amazing. I think I think it's it's amazing, especially if you're taking blood crushes. This guy is like an auto include. Um, he then has another really nice rule. So, um, champion slayer. So each time he makes a melee attack that targets a character or monster unit, you can reroll wound rolls, and then if you kill a character or monster, this model regains d6 wounds. So very like a Shalaxi light, but then gets wounds back. Yeah. Um, really good. 150 points for this this model and can take that same sort of um, Argaf King of Blades upgrade that I mentioned on the Bloodthirster. So you can make his attacks plus one, pl- plus one strength, plus one um, attacks, plus two if within Shadow of Chaos. Um, so then combining it with the actual ability, this guy can have like eight up to like eight attacks. It's strength seven minus two flat four. Um it's very scary. He's a very scary prospect, actually, and definitely one that I would not sleep on. Yeah, yeah. It's the only thing I wish that he had was um, loan operative because he can't join any units. As a, he doesn't have the leader keyword. He can't. There's no units for him to join, and he doesn't have loan op. So he is toughest opponent. Yeah, he is T nine with nine wounds, and he does have a four up invuln. But if the your opponent figures out what he can do, and what he what kind of a major threat he poses. You yeah. can definitely say, let's delete him quickly as soon yeah. as he sticks his head out or, you know, you know, we can just, in, you know, indirect the Jesus out of him. Yeah, definitely one that you want to be sticking in deep strike and then bringing in via rapid ingress or within six yeah. or six of Bellacor. So, um, you know, but I think he's I think he's great. Um, he's not in my lists, but that's just because of how I like playing with the sort of more monster themed list. 
Um, but I think yeah. that if you're definitely looking at blood crushers or, you know, at least a big, bigger part of your army is a corn contingent, this guy is definitely not a miss. He is a definite hit and you would want him in your army. Yeah. Oh, and you know, I just, you just, you mentioning deep strike just made me realize that because his blood throne ability triggers at the start of the fight phase, you can mm. deep strike him in and you can still place the, 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 the doom upon one enemy unit and, you know, that turn, you're not waiting a whole turn. Exactly that, so. and what what is also really nice about him as well, just as a final note, um, is that it is an eighteen inch range on this thing. So even if he does fail the charge, you don't have to worry about like anything of like he has to be with engagement range or anything. As long as another unit's got in that's also corn, you're going to be able to use this ability. So um, yeah, definitely yeah. making combat as great as it can be with with obviously a lot of the limitations around it in this edition. All right, cool. Um, anybody else we should mention here? I think that that is it really for the gods, to be honest, um, that you yeah. have got some like not like units that are like multi well, like, not multi god, but like you pick what god they are. So the soul grinder is a good example and um, definitely like a bit of a glow up for this guy um, can either have a very melee oriented build or a very shooting oriented build, depending on what mark you've gone, depends on like a type of weapon it gets. I like it. He's he's uh, 215 points. Um, but again, if we just sort of reiterate what I've been saying throughout this throughout this podcast, um, I just like Greater Demons a bit more. Okay. So yeah. that, nothing nothing wrong with one of them at all. You definitely could run one. You definitely run two. Heck, you could run three. Um, but I just think that the points are better spent on maybe looking at the Greater Demons. Yeah, yeah. The the Soul Grinder. I I just pulled it up. It's, it's okay. Yeah. Maybe if you know you have the model sitting around and you know you, yeah. You just feel like you you have to put them on the table. It's not gonna. If if you really want to use a soul grinder, like he, he's he's definitely like. Let's say you you love the model for ages and you're just getting into demons, and you're like, I really want to use a soul grinder. You can, and he's very, and he can be very good in your army. But I just think that looking at the greater demons is definitely a bit better. Yeah, and he does still have his phlegm bombardment, so he does have his indirect blast, um, shot thirty six inch range, d six plus one attacks. Ballistic skill three, strength seven, AP one two damage though. Yeah, the warp gaze is a bit better, um, which is like the Zinch yeah. sort of version of his shooting. So, um, yeah, it's it's. Oh, maybe if you maybe if you if you use the uh, rend master on uh. the on the throne and have him go, you're screwed. And, <laughs> well, no, that's only in the fight phase. So even then, Sadly. it wouldn't benefit. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't even help the flame bombardment. I was trying to think of some way to buff up the flambo nope sorry yeah so i mean 215 points for soul grinder two of those is shellaxi where yes. are you gonna go I, I would rather have a shellaxi to be honest and i know that sounds mad yeah. that for two soul grinders would you want which one would you rather and i think shellaxi is just more consistent yeah all right so uh we've already talked about uh i think you've talked about three of the four enhancements uh, so Argath, King of Blades, is the corn one you mentioned. Yeah. Um, I don't know, just to make sure everybody heard, it's 20 points. That's pretty That's pretty decent for what it does. Yeah. Um, the Everstave that you had mentioned, I think you said that's 25. Yep, that's 25. Um, the Endless Gift, for the, which is the Nurgle 5 plus or 4 plus, feel no pain. That's a big 30 points. That's, it is a lot. That's an investment. Yeah. That is an investment. But if you're putting it on, like you said, if you're putting it on a greater demon, that is a 30 point investment to make sure that that, that greater great unclean one is never dying ever. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then the last one is the soul stealer. 
Um, each time the bearer destroys an enemy model with a melee attack, roll 1d6, adding 1 to the result if the bearer is within Shadow of Chaos. On a 4-up, the bearer regains 1 lost wound. So It's not bad at all. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not, it's, uh, and it's the cheapest one at 15 points. So for 15 points, if you're going to run, and it's Slanesh only, so for 15 points, if you're going to run a non-Shalaxi um, Keeper of Secrets, then I would, sure. I would, And then just, yeah. you know, lean, in, lean into that, that sweet profile and try to pick up as many models as possible yeah. to... The, the, other, the other one as well is a Demon Prince. A Demon Prince uh, of Slanesh. Oh yeah, it could could Keep be really can be can be really good with this upgrade as well. So um, again, when you're looking at these upgrades, people mainly the Argaf and the Soul Stealer. Just just have a quick look at the Demon Prince as well, because I think he's definitely quite a good little unit there. Yeah. All right, and with that, we've got uh, the only thing left for us to talk about is strats. Um, before we get into that, I just want to let everybody know there is still, if you guys remember our our uh, ninth edition review of uh the Chaos Demons. There's a lot of data sheets. There's so many data sheets. There was no way on God's sweet green earth we could go through all of them yeah. in one episode unless you guys really are stuck in a four-hour car ride. So um, we're going to do that to you guys. It, there's a lot of data sheets. So definitely, if you have any inclination of wanting to play demons, just pull up you know, pull up the PDF, uh, download it, and spend a couple hours re- reviewing everything. There's so many weird rules interactions, and there's a lot of other things that Shadow of the Warp plays into. There's a lot of interplay here and a lot of um, synchronicity between a lot of the stuff. So definitely give it, if you, if you have an inclination to play demons, definitely give it a look. If you don't have an inclination of playing demons, you don't really care. Don't waste the time. You'll go cross-eyed. Um, <laughs> but you'll just, when, when you play Jake across the table or somebody else playing demons, you'll just probably need a slide rule and some graph paper to keep track of what everything does and how they all interact. Well, they may get lost in my oh. eyes, Dave. That's the only problem. <laughs> that is the problem. I have, mm. I myself have been victim of that many times. So it, yeah. it's a that's a reality. It's a reality. <laughs> it is it is a um, harsh reality. So let's talk strats. The first one is corrupt real space. Um. Yeah. So so what I will just say before doing the strats is that I think there are some incredible ones, and there are a bit pants ones, as we all sort of know. So I am going to sort of give my honest sort of opinion on these. This is one that definitely isn't pants and is really really good. So, start of any command phase is the really key thing here with this stratagem. So this can be done yeah. in your command phase and your opponents. What this does is one demon unit from your army that's within range of an objective marker you control. That objective marker is said to be corrupted and remains under your control even if you have no models within range of it until your opponent controls it at the start or the end of any turn. In addition, while this objective marker is corrupted, the area of the battlefield within six inches of that objective marker is now considered to be in your shadow of chaos. Really, really good. Really, really good. Um, reason I love this is for two reasons. So first off, it means that if you know your opponent's about to shoot off one of your units on an objective, you can sticky it beforehand um, in their command phase, and then they now have to commit if they actually want to take the objective off you to stop your primary and actually have to put a unit there. Okay. So first reason I love it. Second reason I love it is because um, if, let's say, that you, there's a unit that's fighting you on it and, you know, they're, they're potentially going to, you know, take it off of you or not take it off of you, sorry, um, you know they're going to kill you in the next turn or something or just any sort of little thing like that. You can use this stratagem, and then if they need to take battle shocks, they're under half for any reason. This is more of like a niche example. Um, they're now going to be at minus one, and if they fail, they're going to take D3 mortals. Their AC will become zero. So 
um yeah i think i think overall it's a fantastic strategy just to preempt a turn like the fact you can use this in both players turns good um equally as well to sort of even more sort of level think about this if you're controlling you know because this area is now shadow of chaos if they just shoot you off the objective because they don't have enough movement to get on it not only are you going to get your primary you now can also deep strike within six and six of it yeah um, Six inches away from the enemy, six inches of the objective marker. I just think it's a really great stratagem, to be honest. I think it's a really, really solid stratagem. And unlike a lot of other stratagems that are command phase activated, yeah. this is one CP and it doesn't have an expiration date. No. Once you use this strat, you put it on an, on an objective, it's going it's, to, you, you can keep doing it next turn. It's, it's not a once use only either, but until somebody comes and flips that objective, that ability stays on it for the rest of the game. Yeah. Which is a very rare benefit. So yeah. that's kind of cool. If we look that Plague Bears are 140 points, I believe, uh, 160 points maybe, um, I will just quickly fact check myself. Um, and they, that's their basic rule. Um, to have that for one CP, I think is a bit of a steal, to be honest. Um, they are 145 points, so I was wrong on both occasions. But yeah, so, so it's, I think it's fantastic. I think it's a fantastic rule. Um Sadly, we've all, we've all good. There must be a bit of not as good. And this is uh, called the Draught of Terror. So this is your shooting phase or fight phase. One legion, well, one demon unit from your army that has not been selected to shoot or fight. To the end of the phase, improve the AP characteristic of the weapons equipped by models in this unit by one. And to the end of the phase, each time such weapon targets a unit that is battleshocked, you can reroll the wounds. Now, I think it's a great stratagem if they're battleshocked because the ability to reroll wounds for one of your units and have extra AP is super good. Um, I just it just relies on them being battle shocked, right? So um, even still having the extra AP can be good uh, for things like flamers, uh, for the Lord of Change as an example, and for countless other units. But I just think that um, you know, for one CP, we've already looked at something that's more incredible that you'd rather spend your command points on. Yeah, um, which is which is more why I just don't like it as a. It's not for me as a strat. Unless you really want to give the middle finger to somebody who just played Armor of Contempt. Yeah, yeah, that's they, you know, they do that, and you go, well, okay, well, if you forced my hand, then, um, but yeah, so All right, still, but I've already decided that they have to die, so yeah, like they, they all just have to be who it is, right? Um, yeah. so then next we've got warp surge. This is one command point. You use this in your charge phase. Um, you pick a demon demon unit that is within your army shadow of chaos. So this is the this is one of the first instances we've seen of a stratagem interacting with shadow of chaos. Um, until the end of the phase, your unit is eligible to ch- declare a charge, even if it advanced. I love the timing of this stratagem. I love the timing of this stratagem, yeah. Dave. Because it's not, you have to do it in your move phase, when you don't know if you're going to have Shadow of Chaos in the middle of the board or anything, or, you know, if Bellicle may not want to be within six of you. It's in your charge phase, so you can preempt the run to get there, and then you have time to be able to try and hold those middle objectives if you want to be Shadow of Chaos in the middle, um, or have Bellacore within six of you, that sort of thing. So I just like the timing of this strat. Running charge is fantastic, especially on a model like Shalaxi, um, that moves 14 inches. Okay. So if, if you don't want her to come down from Deep Strike because there's nothing really threatening on the table that's going to shoot her off, you've got this stratagem to be able to get her in combat. So yeah, really, really decent. Really, really decent. Um, okay. All right, cool. Another very decent strat is a Denizens of the Warp. Your movement phase, one demon unit that's arriving from Deep Strike. Your unit can be set up uh, on the battlefield more than three inches away from all enemy models, but they cannot charge. Flamers, we heard, we heard you, right? Yep. Amazing. <laughs> so they can deep strike. Yep. They can deep strike outside free, shoot a load of things with a big unit of six of them, and then they're ready there next turn for an Overwatch. Um, 
Yeah. I think it's fantastic. Um, again, for mission play as well, if you really need to get a behind enemy lines with a maybe a little cheeky teleport, you know, deploy teleporters combo, one CP, deep strike outside, three with, you know, three of these, they're already super tiny anyway. There's no way you're going to be able to screen out that unless you're, you know, really, really like got loads of models, right? Yeah. Okay. Or, you know, you're just really leaning in infiltrators or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Um, then we've got the Realm of Chaos. So this is probably one of the more interesting stratagems um, and one that is a personal favourite. So this is um, end of your opponent's turn. You can select up to two demon units that are within your Shadow of Chaos or one that is not. Um, and then you remove those units from the battlefield and you set, place them into strategic reserve. They then arrive back on the battlefield on the reinforcement step of your next movement phase using the Deep Strike ability. You cannot target units that are within engagement range with this stratagem. Um, so what this does mean, as per the Leviathan mission pack, um, if your opponent goes first, you can use this stratagem at the end of their turn one to put these units in reserve. Um, and the reason you can then, and then you'll come back in the next movement phase of turn one. So normally you can't deep strike turn one, but due to the Leviathan mission pack saying that if a unit starts on a table, it can come in, you know, it ignores then all the match play restrictions. Uh, so thus, it could come back turn four, it could turn back turn five. But it's more specifically the wording of this stratagem that says it must arrive back on the battlefield. Or sorry, they will arrive back on the battlefield. There's no choice in the matter. You can't just keep them off the table. Right. Um, so this is really great for if you go second and you want to get a bit of an alpha strike in there, um, you can bring in something like Bellicor Schlack, so you can bring in some mission playing pieces. Equally, like I said, if, if you're not wanting to do a bit of an alpha strike, but you just want to sort of preempt the cards a bit, what I like to do is if I start Nurglings on the table, I'll take them off the table, look at my cards, then when I draw them at the start of my command phase, and go, oh, I need to investigate a signal, or oh, I need to do an engage. I've now got these two units that can come back down and do that. So um, really solid stratagem there. Um, and then finally, uh, you've got Demonic and Vulnerability. So this is a stratagem that's probably not as good. We, we've, we're going to end on a slightly sour note, but it's still a bit good. It depends on sort of what I think you're fighting, right? So this is your opponent shooting phase just after an enemy has been selected as a target. Oh, sorry, not an enemy unit. It was just to say an enemy unit has selected its targets. You pick one of your demon units, and you can reroll ones for their invulnerable save until the end of that phase. Um, so if we look at it from the point of view of, like, you've got a big greater demon, and it's being shot by a big gun, there's not as many dice you need, you're probably going to need to roll to save in that instance. So a CP reroll would probably be better spent, right? Right. But... Like a unit like Pink Horrors or like a, you know, a horde killing gun where they're like, here's 20 saves. You're like, okay, or 10 saves. You go, okay, well, this strat is probably a bit more useful because, you know, out of those 10 saves, I'm maybe going to roll one, maybe two ones, which then would be two CP rerolls. Right? So there's a lot of technicalities there. Um, I think it's an okay stratagem, but it really depends on what you're sort of fighting. It's not great. When we've, when we've just sort of gone through like, deep strike outside free picking units up off the table running and charging and making an objective sticky this just seems like something you wouldn't want to spend your command points on okay no yeah that, that makes sense i think i think that absolutely makes sense especially with the shortage of cp now yeah so okay all right that is it for uh stratagems mm-hmm. i i didn't see any in here that were um pants as promised there were certainly some that were better than others but and maybe in my head they're a bit pants, but just because I think more what I mean by pants is that, like, in comparison to the ones that are really good, like the yeah. making objective sticky, taking units off off the table, deep striking outside free, 
um they're my three favorites the other two not the one where you um run in charge but the other two just seem a bit lackluster um but i think that's more because there's so much power in these big units that i'm that i've been using that an extra bit of ap may not make the difference okay or you know re-rolling wounds does but the extra ap or re-rolling ones on my saves isn't making the difference so I just think that's more just like a, a view that I've had maybe formed from playing them. But, um, you know, they're still probably great stratagems in their own right. Yeah, just maybe more, a bit more niche or situational. Yeah. Um, also, it occurs to me that I, I have to to translate something for all the American listeners. I don't know about <laughs> the Aussies. I just learned this at when, when you and I were hanging out at LVO. Yeah. Um, apparently, pants in the UK means your underwear. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is... Not what it means in the in the U.S. So when, when we would say, yeah, yeah, it means yeah. yeah. In the U.K., what we think of as long pants is trousers, and what we think of as underwear is pants. So <laughs> I want to just translate that for all the American and possibly Canadian listeners out there who, who when we say pants, are like, <laughs> why are pants a bad thing? Because they're talking about underwear. Depending so, on who you're talking to, pants are a bad thing. So, like, yes, that's right. That's right. But then we're going to keep this family friendly, and so the rest of this conversation will be safe for after the show. Exactly. <laughs> yes. All right. So um, I think we've already sort of touched on it, but you know, like you said, there's two there's two overall play styles for this faction: Monster Mash and not Monster Mash. Hmm. Monster Mash. We, we certainly our, our conversation leaned more in that direction, just because the Greater Demons. By and large, with some exception, are all really, really strong in different ways. Yeah. Um, is there? But then the question that then becomes: How does it score the primary if you're using a lot of monsters? Are you required still to throw in some kind of, you know, multi-model units to just score your primaries? Or yeah. So so this is where they like the flamers and stuff come in, right? So so you got to really look at the mission when it comes to demons. So, you know, the models they do have is very similar to like a knight-themed army. You know, they're, they're high OC models at OC5. I'd consider that high OC. And because of that, you know, your primary game is is actually slightly better than you'd think because you've got all these access to, if you take Plague Bearers, they'll make an objective sticky. If you, you've got access to the stratagem that makes an objective sticky. Um, so all sorts there. Um, equally, their ability just to do so much damage with like things like Shalaxi on the charge, you know, they'll be flipping objectives that way. And then you've got a very tanky model on an objective. Um, so I think that it's, it's very, um, their primary game isn't as bad as you'd think for a monster mash type list. But that's why you're looking at these units like your Nurglings, your Flamers, and all those sort of types of units, like your, you know, Changeling Blue Scribes that play the mission for you. So you're essentially taking about maybe 1,200 points worth of damage-dealing big models, and then you're filling the rest of it out with your mission-playing pieces and your objective-playing pieces. Um, at least that's how I found it. Like, if we just pull up a list as an example that I've been working on, this is what I maybe be taking to L- LGT, um, so our sort of English equivalent of the LVO. Um, so what I've been looking at as a list uh, is Bellacore, Kairos, Fateweaver, three Lords of Change, one with the Everstave, Shalaxi, Hellbane, two units of three Nurglings, and three units of three Flamers. And that's that's just under 2,000 points. That's uh, 1990 points. And when you look okay. at this, it does loads of damage, so it can deal with like a lot of the sort of meta threats in terms of Knights, Custodes, Eldari. Um, you know, I don't know if I'll be able to do as much damage as they do to me back, but I'll give it a good go, right? Uh, Cult, it would probably struggle into slightly just because of the Horde-style play they have. Yeah, and there's not a lot of Mortal Wound defense for demons. 
no none at all um so so um so we look at it from that point of view like i've got a lot of big models that can sort of just sort of you know big dog their way up the table but then i've also got two units of nerglings that can help with doing the missions i've got three units of flamers that can help do the missions as well so you know the idea would be go tactical and just sort of you know play it by ear you've got a lot of tactical play with your stratagems as well in the forms of being able to take units off up and off the table and bring them back and bring them outside free so I think that's where like a lot of your play lies is you've got these big hard hitting models and then you've got the sort of contrary side to that, which is the sort of, you know, lesser units that can do all your tricks and stuff. Okay. All right. That kind of answers the question also of how it's going to score the secondaries because you've got those flamers and you've got those units of Nurgles just to bop yeah. around the table and score what you need to score. And if you need to, if you, it's a turn when you pull, bring it down or assassinate your original 1200 points is just going to, like you said, stomp their way, big dog up the table and yeah. curb stomp, whatever's, you know, the, the only them. issue, the only issue you will naturally find, uh, is that fixed into you is incredibly good because you give up, bring it, you give up max, bring it down, max assassinate. Right. Um, so, so, you know, you, but, but in a way it can be a good thing, can be a bad thing, right? So, Main reasons it's bad is because your opponent now can just focus on their primary and just know that for every chicken they kill, they're going to get like eight points um, on their secondaries, four, four yeah. each. Um, but it's a good thing as well, because then you know that's probably what they're going to do. Um, yeah. and, and because of that, you can then sort of preempt it. You can, you, can, you can stay quite safe with a list like that and really do a bit of damage. So, you know, again, it's a good thing and a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. I think you just have to accept that you're going to give up a lot of points on with using that type of list and just focus on your own game plan. As we always say here, you know, you got you rather focus on your game plan than rather what your opponent's doing. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Cool. Um, well, I think that's it. Let's uh, stop real quick for our third and final sponsor of the day, Siege Studios. And now for a word from our sponsor, Sea Studios. They are the experts in providing professional miniature painting services, ensuring your armies always look their best on the battlefield. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, Sea Studios can help bring your miniatures to life. Don't miss out on their quality craftsmanship. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. Thank you for giving us your time and your attention. Um, I know this is not one of those big meta threats, and I've, I've been stalling on the, uh, the meta threats uh, <laughs> the GSC and Eldari talk because, you know, September is coming. Winter is coming. <laughs> Winter is coming. Data <laughs> slate is coming. Data slate is coming. <laughs> so, you know, we're all, we're all holding out here. And um, interestingly enough, just before uh, Jake and I started to record this morning, we saw on, uh, War- on Warcom that they announced that next Sunday or next weekend, rather, the NIDS codex goes up for pre-order. So now we know that that's, um, for sure on its way. So now the the uh, um, inevitable climb towards um, all of the, you know, the release of all of the codexes, which will, I'm sure, inevitably end up with um, the Imperial Guard getting released again just before 11th edition. <laughs> they can't have it twice. They can't have it twice. <laughs> <laughs> it's so unfortunate. Um, hey, they're, they're plenty strong right now in their index. They can sit down and shush. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So the, 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 the tidal wave of, of Codex releases is about to come out. Uh, it's about to start, so let the games begin again. Um, and I know we still got a few other um, uh, Index releases to talk about. Don't worry, I will not forget them. Um, but I will obviously be trying to get to um, Tyranids as soon as, I, as soon as we're able to. So anyway, that's it. By the time you guys hear this, um, yeah, like I said, it's going to be September, so Balanced Data Slate hopefully is right around the corner. 
Um, also, do me a favor, uh, go on the competitive 40K Facebook uh, page on, uh, and let us know, um, do you want a bonus episode where Jake and I just talk about Stranger Things? <laughs> See, Should I'm we a, make this a thing? I will say, let us I've, know. I've only watched uh, halfway through, se- I'm up to halfway through season three, so I, I'll need to do a bit more research, but maybe we could do like season one like as a yeah, one episode second. per season one episode <laughs> yeah. per season then, which will also which will also force me to go back and start over and watch season one again for like the third or fourth time actually see i never i never i've never had watched it and somebody had recommended it to me and i was like oh i'm not too sure so, so watched it and just instantly was fell in love basically so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah love it um of course i love it because it also is very nostalgic for me because that was exactly the age that i was when you know when the when the show's going on back in the 80s um yeah. you don't remember the 80s so <laughs> no i was uh i no. was not i was not about it sadly <laughs> no um but uh, that's okay i can get all nostalgic and you can just we can just geek out together about all the awesome uh nerd references and uh you know and and gaming stuff so yeah um anyway also go watch stranger things if you haven't watched it yet Definitely. so all right uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, that is it. Uh, until next time, this is Dave Colmel for Jake Harding and all of Vanguard Tactics saying, Devils never cry. Take care. Have a good week. <laughs> <laughs>